Hello and welcome to The Mock Review with Ben and Drew. I'm Ben Garmo. And I'm Drew Evans. Drew, it's hard to believe, but it is regional season. It feels like just a couple days ago that the case dropped and we had a chance to chat with Mike Gelfand. We've been through an entire invitational season of virtual mock trial, and we have now officially launched the first weekend of virtual regional tournaments. Uh, I have to give a ton of props to AMTA for the work that they've been doing to make this possible. Just a little while ago, we're recording this like barely an hour after all the tab summaries finished uh, being released, and I just finished co-hosting the Owings Mills Regional, which was Regional 1B this year. And the system that AMTA has designed is, is pretty spectacular. Uh, but Drew, it's it's really hard to believe. And, and I don't know, what are your thoughts on us getting to regionals and, and starting to move towards hopefully crowning a national champion? I mean, first of all, thrilled. I think that, uh, you know, you said it's been quick. I, I don't know that I fully agree with you there. Uh, it's been a long <laughs> couple of months, but I, I will say that it is pretty crazy to think um, what, how different the world is and how different mock trial even looks. Uh, you know, when we look at just last year where we were, like this is when we first started hearing like these inklings of this, this thing that was maybe going to come here and, you know, uh, never thought it was going to affect us this badly. But uh, I mean, I think that it is, it's cool to see um, that we're making virtual work that we're not going to let this really um, change what is such a treasured activity by all of us. And it's exciting that we're at our first week of regionals. I think it's, it's cool to see that this, at the end of the day, we're, we're making it happen. It's regionals occurred. We're getting bids. We're moving forward. And I think that that's exciting. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, it's, it's not the same, but at the same time, I will say there are some things about this year's system that are incredible. And, and in future episodes, we're hoping to talk more about that. I, of course, will be an amateur rep in a couple of weeks and we'll have more thoughts on that front. But I will say briefly, you know, Brandon Harper, Melissa Watt, uh, Adam Detsky, uh, Andy Hogan, Will Warahay, uh, all the folks who have been doing so much work, Elizabeth Smiley from the AMTA board and the AMTA committees to make this whole thing happen. It's it's pretty remarkable, and I'm sure there's people I missed as well. Uh, but, of course, the system has given us our full, first set of results. So what we're going to do is we're going to run through each of the eight regionals that happened this weekend. Now, in full candor, we are recording this episode a little bit sooner after regionals results come out than we usually do. We have done our best to break them down as quickly and effectively as we can, but we might miss a thing or two. We'll do our best to try to cover everything that happened at each of the regionals, and we're just going to go one at a time. So I'm going to start with Regional 1A. Regional 1A was a five-bid regional, and it was hosted by the University of Texas at Arlington. And going down from the top, uh, we had Hillsdale C with six and a half wins and a 13 CS. We had the University of Tennessee Chattanooga uh, with UT Chattanooga A with six wins and a 19.5 CS. Rhodes A with six wins and a 15 and a half CS. Liberty University C, six wins and a 13 and a half CS. And then University of Texas Austin B, five and a half wins, 16 CS. And then we had two, five, a couple of uh, honorable mentions here. We had Seton Hall C with five and a half wins and Oregon A with five wins. A couple of interesting things I would say to note here. I think the first thing that I'll pay attention to is Rhodes A. Um, you know, anytime mm -hmm. candidly that Rhodes A wins less than eight ballots at regionals, <laughs> exactly. it's just, I think it's, it's noteworthy. And you have a really interesting round one split with Oregon. And then if you look down over to round three, 
You have a fascinating high, high round between Rhodes and UT Chattanooga, a great early, you know, regional season AA matchup. They split, they go plus two minus four. So like a real close round. Uh, and then both teams, you know, comfortably get out at six and two. Other than that, I noticed uh, Rutgers B didn't get a bid, which, you know, Rutgers is a team that both Haverford and UMBC play mm-hmm. a lot. They mm-hmm. had a B team at Orcs last year, so I noticed that. And I think that's about everything. Drew, anything else stand out to you here? Um, I, I will first just say that uh, Liberty C getting through at 6-2, and two, uh, that's certainly um, an impressive showing from a, any C team is always impressive. Uh, Hillsdale C as well, um, making it out. Uh, but Liberty A, a on the smaller side of programs, um, getting a C team through, that's really, really cool and exciting for them. Um, I would also add that that Oregon A team that you mentioned, um, the two of their losses were to Rhodes and UT Chattanooga, and those were both splits. So I think that that uh, Oregon clearly had a, a very difficult schedule, and I even think that a CS of 18 doesn't really encapsulate the fact that I would argue they faced probably the, the other two best teams, and it's kind of fun that Rhodes, UT Chattanooga, and Oregon, which were probably going in as the top three teams, um, all three happen to face each other. Um, and I think that it, it is part of what allowed some other teams to have easier schedules um, and, and make it through. But I think it is kind of, uh, I, I'm hopeful that Oregon will make it through. I think that they clearly deserve to, to go through. Um, splitting with Rhodes is always noteworthy. Uh, UT Chattanooga, clearly also another strong team. Splitting with them is, is a good sign. So I think Oregon's probably a, a team that we should expect to make through, and I'm glad they're going to. I think they clearly had a tough schedule. Um, one thing I wanted to, to just to add before we move on to the next regional is I love that the uh, AMTA has specified a location for these virtual uh, tournaments. Regional Tournament 1A was located in Calkins Campground Midlands, which I'm sure all <laughs> of our listeners will be very familiar with, but I, I very much so enjoyed upon looking through these regional results at all the different places that we were uh, going back through our history with AMTA of the different locations of these sites. Yeah, I'll add one quick thing that I think is going to be a recurring theme before we move to our next one. These regionals are small. Mm-hmm. Almost every single one, I think, was either 18 or 20 teams at most. It was it, They're small regionals. And I think what you were just describing with UT Chattanooga, Rhodes, and Oregon, like that, that they sort of all kind of played each other in this weird triangle, that's more likely to happen at a smaller regional. You, It's harder to avoid the top teams. And obviously, mm-hmm. rounds two and three are paired high-high. But when there's just less teams, there's less chaos, there's less sort of crossover, and and I think that's going to be interesting that you're going to see that a little bit more moving forward. And I wonder, as the later weeks happen, if that's going to be a continuing trend. Uh, well, moving right along to Regional 1B, it's going to be really easy for everyone to follow us along. Um, this one was hosted by some random folks at UMBC and Stevenson. Um, but Ben, obviously, this is the site that you hosted at, so I'm sure we'll have some good insights from you. Um, but the results here were GWA with seven wins and a CS of 16 then American B with seven wins and a CS of 12.5, followed by Harvard A with six wins and a CS of 18.5. Fourth was Florida E with six wins and a CS of 15. Then finally, Pittsburgh A with five wins and a CS of 19, along with a honorable mention um, in Loyola Chicago A uh, at five wins with a CS of 16.5. Um, I think that the the clear kind of noteworthy things here, I think Loyola Chicago getting that honorable mention, probably a pretty big surprise that's a strong program that I would have expected to make it through. Um, Florida is one of the only programs where I'm, you know, not shocked 
than an E-team made it through. I think they're one of the only couple programs in the country that even has an E-team. Um, but certainly, uh, uh, you know, impressive for any team, any program to get a fifth uh, team through. Additionally, I think that it's noteworthy that Cal Poly didn't get through. Um, they've been fairly strong recently, and they've been uh, pretty routinely making it to Orcs. I think that a, a later team of theirs might have, but um, this this team did not. Um, Maryland C had a ridiculously high 24.5 CS, which Ben, I, I'm dying to hear about that. I'm sure the, the folks over at Maryland are, are uh, not pleased with that type of schedule. And it's obvious that you orchestrated it against them. So I'm loving, <laughs> oh, excited God. to hear don't, that. Don't start that. I know. I shouldn't have put it out there, really. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that other than this, I mean, American GW, Harvard, you know, I think that those were pretty much ones we would have guessed. So Ben, I'll throw it over to you. You were the host. What'd you think? Yeah, it was a lot of fun uh, to co-host with Stevenson this year. Obviously, you know, it's not the same co-hosting uh, in a virtual year, but we had a great time. We had two great amateur reps in James Boyce and Ryan Nolte, uh, and, and we had a lot of really great teams. A couple things that I'll flag about this tournament. I did think it was interesting. Your top two teams are GWA and American B. And if you go all the way back to the Charm City Classic back at the end of October, a tournament that we host and that has a very similar judging pool, I would guesstimate probably between, you know, 55 and 60% of the same judges at Charm City as at this regional. GW won that tournament and American came in third. Uh, so I think you're seeing a consistency there that the style, and obviously those that was the unstacked season. I don't know how much uh, coverage there was between those teams and the teams that were at this regional, but clearly those styles that GW and American play work with the judges that we recruit, which I guess isn't that surprising considering they're both teams within, you know, 30 to 40 miles of where we recruit some of our judges and plenty of our judges come from the DC area. So I didn't think that was especially surprising. Uh, yeah. Seeing college park C with that 24 and a half CS, they ended up playing Florida E with six wins rice who had four and a half. And then round three, they hit American who ended up with seven wins and GW in round four, uh, in part because, remember, when you get to regionals, you do that high-low in round four. And it just so happened that Maryland ended up, you know, where they did. And GW was at the top of the other side. And it just, they really caught tough luck there. Uh, but even still, to to win the ballots that they did, I mean, they they the two ballots they won, they swept Florida E, who then didn't lose another set of ballots and went on to to advance. So clearly a strong team there to have success, even with that CS. Beyond that, uh, Harvard getting through is not a shock. Um, had the same thought about Florida E. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's noteworthy, but is it really that <laughs> noteworthy? They're just really good. Um, I know Pitt A is a team that that's had some success, and to see them grab a bid and to to win out the CS tiebreaker over Loyola, Loyola Chicago, who I think is rebuilding a little bit after last year's team that had earned that World Cup bid to Nationals, but. That's about everything. We had a great time uh, co-hosting with Stevenson, and I really hope that this time next year we're discussing a in-person regional that we co-hosted with Stevenson, because uh, as much as we have fun doing it, we really miss getting to uh, see everybody in person. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is the regional that uh, back in back way back when when I competed, I feel like I was at a lot. So uh, although it is not called the Owens Mills Regionals, I think that it uh, it feels a little bit like it with a lot of the familiar teams um and obviously when it's ever toasted by you ben it's always always run well i appreciate that and i think i called it the owings mills regional in the opening ceremonies so i don't know don't tell <laughs> amta or something exactly. but uh 
All right, let's move on to Regional 1C. Regional 1C was the first of the regionals this weekend that was hosted by the fine folks at the American Mock Trial Association. This was a six-bid regional, and our six teams in order, we had the University of Texas Austin with eight wins and a a 16.5 CS. We had the University of Maryland College Park with eight wins and a 12 CS. Florida B, six wins and a 17 CS. Hamilton B, six wins and a 15 CS. Boston University A, five and a half wins and a 15 and a half CS. And then Chicago C, five and a half wins, 19 and a half CS. Honestly, Drew, I don't have a ton to note about this particular tournament. Uh, There were a couple higher CSs, but I don't think anything. I see a Pittsburgh team here at 21 and a half, but nothing got into that like 22, 23 range. That's really shocking. Um, You know, UT Austin is a really great program. Not shocking to see them go eight and oh. Um, it was cool to see uh, College Park that their team went eight and zero. You know they were so 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 cl- close last year to qualifying for a nationals bid, and I think after a couple years where they maybe weren't as strong as their historical record would suggest, they really seem to be moving back to being you know one of the top teams really in this region and I think in the country to go eight wins at regionals is not an easy feat. And I guess the last thing I'll mention is Chicago C. Uh, we played Chicago C last year at Great Chicago Fire. And I think Chicago C is probably better than a lot of a, a lot of A teams, uh, so it's not surprising at all for me to see them get a bid. Um, I imagine that will fairly quickly turn into an open bid, uh, unless something really surprising happens. But just continuing to show that they are one of the best teams in the country. That's all I got. Yeah, I think that you're probably right. I don't think there's anything too crazy. I think Furman. Uh, I mean, Furman's been a very strong program. This was their B team that didn't make it out. Um, but other than that, I think if you had asked me to place bets on who, which six teams I thought were going to get through, I probably would have picked these six. Um, it seems like it's pretty much the, the scratch we would have expected. Um, we did have a lot of kind of B and C teams. I mentioned Furman, um, but you also have a, a C team from Cincinnati. Um, and I think there was a B team from Kansas and Pittsburgh. So it's a lot of, and even Richmond too, a lot of B and C teams that are from traditionally like fairly strong middle of the pack program. So you never really know. Um, but I do think this is pretty much what we could have expected. Um, in the interest of time, let's go ahead and just move right along to regional one D, which is also hosted by AMTA in Polk County Midlands uh, to be specific. <laughs> um, but this one, uh, again, one D we had in first place, NYUA with eight wins, uh, Wheaton a with seven wins and a CS of 15 and a half. Illinois State A with six wins and a CS of 11. Alabama B with five and a half wins and a CS of 18. St. Bonaventure A with five wins and a CS of 19. Then Chicago D with five wins and a CS of 15, along with two honorable mentions in Boston University C with five wins and a CS of 13 and a half, and Oregon C with five wins and a CS of 12. Um, I, I think this is kind of NYU being like, hey, we're still here, folks. We're back. <laughs> um, NYU had a really strong invitational season. I know that there was some uh, like analytics done on like powered wins or something like that on impeachments. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know what I'm talking about. The NYU was ranked at, at the top of. So clearly they're, they're strong. They've figured something out. I remember that when I watched them at Yale, I think two years ago, I thought they were very good. And that was a very young uh, NYU team that had just graduated a lot of uh, a lot of their power and they were kind of figuring things out. And I think that they've really gotten it together and they're they're clearly a very strong team. They had a 
point differential over 100, which is just truly remarkable. It is an accomplishment. But other than that, I mean, I, I think this is about what I would have expected. Um, you, know, you got University of Richmond B that didn't make it out of this. But I think that for the most part, it's about what I would expect. Again, as you mentioned with Chicago uh, C, this is their D team even making it. So, I mean, they've figured something out where they just can magically get as many teams through as they want, I guess. Uh, and it's it's just, I, I, I'm not even going to pretend to be surprised to see a D team from Chicago making it through. But other than that, Ben, what did you notice? A lot of the same things. The the NYU uh, going 8-0 is, is really interesting to me. You know, I mean, you think... What program was defined as heavily by their stars over the, you mm-hmm. know, maybe like two, three, four years ago? You know, you had Ramos winning the first iteration of TBC, and Claudine Isaac was there, you know, and, and those teams were so good. I remember, you know, thrown all the way back to one of our early episodes, talking to Nick Ramos after TBC and him talking about his uh, senior year nationals in Minnesota. And mm-hmm. sort of, you know, wondering politely if things could have been different with a different judging pool. <laughs> and and I think he had a point, right? Not to criticize anyone's mm-hmm. judging pool, but I could I could understand why that NYU team and the judges of, you know, Minneapolis maybe didn't always see eye to eye. And you wonder what identity is NYU going to develop that they've kind of, you know, they don't host the downtown anymore. Everyone understands they're still NYU, right? At the end of the day, you'd you'd rather not play NYU. (laughs) But I think they're really showing not only should you want to avoid NYU, but you should fear NYU, that they just absolutely dominated this regional. And yeah, they had a 12 CS. It was a little lower, but it's not like it was a 6 CS. Like they played some teams and they just absolutely crushed everyone. I think, you know, as I'm, I'm looking at the tab summary here, uh, they, yeah, I mean, they, the only round that was even moderately close was their round three sweep mm-hmm. of Chicago D, mm-hmm. uh, which was a plus five, plus five. Every single other round was a double digit win. So I think that was really notable to me. And, and I think that just shows when, we, you know, this time of year, what you're looking for, what teams are distinguishing themselves. And it's pretty clear to me that NYU showed this weekend that they are a team to be feared. And that's really my main takeaway from here. You have a lot of solid programs. You know, Wheaton is always good. I don't know if they've ever really jumped into mm-hmm. that top tier, but they're always at Orcs. You know, they make nationals every, you know, every so often. Like, they, I think they had a pretty regular run for a while there. And, you know, they're another team. I would say this. I'll say this is my last thought. I think Wheaton is a great example of a team that I will be fascinated to see how they do at Orcs Mm-hmm. in a geographically non-specific orcs, right? Yeah. You think teams like Wheaton or maybe teams like Iowa, who sort of always come from the same region, uh, the Midwest, which I'm not saying fairly or unfairly, but sometimes is criticized as maybe not being as strong past the top couple teams. Could a team like Wheaton benefit or be harmed from not just competing against Midwest teams at orcs? I don't know. I- I'm not suggesting that that would mean that they're not a good team. I just think that that might be a great example of a bellwether to keep an eye on uh, mm-hmm. once we get to orcs. As much as I can't imagine, I can't believe that I'm looking forward to <laughs> orcs right now. Uh, I'll be interested to see how they do. And I think that's everything that caught my eye here. Do, do you think we missed anything? 
I have one last thing that I wanted to mention, and I'm this is actually something that in just looking at the tabs, I noticed, and it's New Jersey City University. Their fourth round was against University of Chicago, University of Chicago D. And as you just said, University of Chicago, um, they've been four and zero, and they faced NYU, had that close round, and their last round was against New Jersey City University, and this was clearly a a high low pairing, a four and two versus a two and four, and New Jersey City took one of the ballots plus 21, uh, and the other one was was seven in favor of Chicago. I, the reason why I'm pointing this out is that I find that remarkable that a team – look, I don't know New Jersey City University very well. I, I assume that they are, are great people over there and that they're strong. Um, but Chicago D is you know definitely a very strong team, as we've said probably too many times at this point. And for them to drop a ballot by over 20 points um, is surprising and startling. I mean, they just took two ballots really close with NYU. And I just wonder what happened in that round and what happened to that ballot to get such a big disparity between the two um, in a round that we probably would have expected them to to be sweeping. Um, so I just thought that was interesting to note. Um, I will say that overall, I'm uh, intrigued by some of the point differentials that we're starting to see spring up. I feel like in some ways it's more than in the in past, but also in other ways less. So I'm kind of saying nothing here. But uh, I just I think that it's interesting. And I wonder how much the zoom format is is affecting some of those point differentials. Well, I think aside from I'm kind of saying nothing here being the new name for the podcast, <laughs> that I think I agree with all of that. Right. Somebody shouted that at their their iPad right now as they as they're listening. So yeah, yeah, I figured enough. I'd at least give them some air. <laughs> True enough. But to keep us moving, let's go ahead and take a look at the second half of our regionals list. We've got four more to cover, and we're going to start with Regional 1E. Regional 1E was a five-bid regional hosted by Boston College. The bids in order were, uh, first was Brown A with an undefeated eight wins and a 13.5 CS. Then we had Michigan C with six and a half wins and an 18.5 CS. We had Scripps A with six wins and a 15.5 CS. Penn State B, five wins and a 19 CS. And then Missouri C, five wins and an 18 CS. Then we had two honorable mentions here. One <laughs> nothing of nothing drew, to note, right? Yeah, nothing to one note. of which, Drew, I think you might have something to say about. Um, first one being Northern Illinois A, what? five wins and a 17 and a half CS. Northern I know. Illinois. What that's, a shocker. No need to read further. Right. That's that's the real news here. No, no disrespect to Northern Illinois, yeah. who are wonderful people and we're good friends with their program. But... Our second honorable mention is Yale A with five wins and a 15 and a half CS. I'm going to turn this over to you pretty quickly. Uh, I'm just going to mention two quick things. One is Brown A going undefeated. Certainly, you know, not surprising because Brown A is always very good, uh, but maybe surprising for one particular reason, which Mm -hmm. I'll let you talk about. But the other team I'm going to note first is Scripps A. I thought this was really interesting. I haven't looked up uh, to see scripts and like their history and stuff like that but scripts obviously is an amazing college it's considered to be an amazing school and i i feel like they're not a name that we hear very often in the amta community uh and i wonder if they're a team that benefits from getting away from that west coast area that mm-hmm. like they they get through because not because they're away from that area but maybe their path gets a little cleaner because they're not fighting against the stanfords and uclas and uc berkeley's and you know, all of the other schools over there that all, you know, beat each other up. So I thought that was interesting and noteworthy. Uh, I imagine you'd 
be interested to discuss Yale. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Drew. What are your thoughts on this regional? Well, I mean, I guess this just means that Yale's about to come back and win nationals now, right? Isn't that, that like what this means when Yale A doesn't make it out of regionals? Well, um, I mean, that's not how the story <laughs> completely ends, though. Right. Like they, you know, there's true. there's an epilogue. Well, you know, I guess so. I, I guess this maybe is a, a cautionary tale for Yale to follow in some of their footsteps, but not all. Um, obviously, um, Yale A not making out has to be surprising. I mean, this is this is Yale. And I think that they had a very successful imitational season. Um, clearly, last year was a tough year for them. But I think that this year they really put a lot of it together from what I heard, saw, and, um, you know, from just have some reason. They, they clearly were strong. So for them not to make it out is definitely surprising. I think that their second round, which was against Oklahoma, which was a 1-1 split, um, that that's, you know, obviously an extraordinarily close round. Um, you can't get much closer without it being a tie. But uh, I, I think that that one, I'm sure, was an interesting round. I, I wish I could have watched that. Their third round against Brown, which you were alluding to, where they they dropped both by three and by six. Oh, wait. I apologize. They did not face Brown. They faced NIU. So it was not against Brown. It was against NIU, who we were just jo- talking about. They took two off Yale. How did they not make it through? That's insane. Um, yes, 100%. Unless this tab summary is wrong. Yale dropped two ballots to NIU in round three. Um, I mean, wow. NIU, amazing job. I think that this is, look, at the end of the day, guys, this is Yale. They had five and a half win, or five and a half CS, 15 and a half CS, sorry. Um, I am suspicious that they will probably send at least one team through. I mean, if their B team doesn't, I, I think they probably will. But my guess is that, 15 and a half CS from your first team from a program is probably going to be like right on the cusp of an open bid, but you know, who knows? We'll, we will certainly see. Um, I, I just can't imagine a world where Yale doesn't send anyone to works. That just seems unimaginable, but I, I think that we've kind of mentioned them enough. Uh, look, I'm going to get criticism for even mentioning it once. So, you know, I'm just taking the L at this point. I do think that it was worth bringing up Brown A. Look, they had a phenomenal showing going 8-0. Even if they didn't beat Yale, um, still very, very impressive. Um, as we cited Northern Illinois, that's really impressive for them. I think that Michigan C and Missouri C, um, C teams coming through are always impressive. Um, those are both strong programs. I think Michigan is a little less surprising. Missouri maybe a little more surprising, but both with high CSs too. I mean, that's solid results. I I think that it's hard to, to overlook Yale, but I will say that it's worth noting we had another remarkably high CS in University of Central Florida um, who had a 2-5-1 record with a 23.5 CS. So I, I guess at this point the lesson is if you have a really high CS and you didn't make it through, you know, I, I'm sorry and that, that definitely sucks, but at least get mentioned on the mock review, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's going to be consolation to the hardworking folks at Central Florida. Yes, I'm sure that they are right now just cheering and, and so thrilled, and that yeah. it makes up for it. <laughs> Send us your address. We'll, we'll put your trophy in the mail. Jeez. Oh, no, uh, one other quick note on uh, this tournament. You mentioned Yale in the context of the open bid list. And I think, you know, five wins with a 15 and a half CS like you said, it is probably, especially now being back to eight orcs, probably going to be right on the cusp. 
And what's going to be so interesting to me, I had a conversation recently with another coach who mentioned that they wonder if maybe they're going to be more open bids this year because mm-hmm. there are less teams registered. I think we're, you know, with oh, drops, like I think we ended up closer to 650 mm-hmm. and a more of the established programs will be able to get, you know, three or four or, you know, in the cases of Florida and another team we're going to mention in a moment, five teams through mm-hmm. uh, that you'll see the creation of more open bids. I don't know if that'll end up being the case, but that seems kind of logical to me right. uh, that, you know, a lot of these programs are good. I mean, we're seeing C, D, and E teams getting through with, you know, pretty significant regularity, even through the first couple we've looked at. So I'll be fascinated to see how the open bid list shakes out uh, as the rest of the regionals go forward. Yeah, I think that we'll definitely be keeping our eye on it. Um, the one last thing that I, I think that we kind of glanced over, but Oklahoma, they split that round with Yale. They had a 20 CS and a 4-4 four and four record. Um, definitely tough for them. And in that last round, in round four, um, they had a, a they dropped a ballot by one, and they won the other by eight. Um, that one ballot uh, was the the difference in them getting uh, five wins and a CS of 19, which would have been enough for them to get uh, by fourth place. So definitely heartbreaking for them. Um, is astounding how often it comes down to one or two points. But in the interest of time, let's move forward once again to Regional 1F, which was hosted by Georgia Tech. Um, this regional was a five-bid regional, uh, beginning with Michigan B at eight wins and a CS of 12, followed by Stanford A with seven wins and a CS of 12, then Baylor A with six and a half wins and a CS of 13 and a half, followed by Cornell B with six wins and a CS of 10, and finally Cal Poly San Luis Obispo with a C- with five and a half wins and a CS of 15. Um, we had a couple of honorable mentions here. Um, in Arkansas, B with five wins and Penn State with five wins and Tufts University with four and a half wins. Um, I I think this one's kind of interesting just in that the highest CS of a team to make it out was Cal Poly with just 15. Um, you know, University of Michigan and Stanford and Baylor and Cornell are all very strong teams. And I am not for a second saying they didn't deserve it, but those are just all pretty low CSs in the grand scheme of things. Um, but to be fair, you can only beat who you face. So I think that that's, you know, definitely some of that. So that's the results purely um, looking at some of the more interesting kind of surprises. Uh, I think, you know, looking at Rhodes D again, I, I think it's like kind of crazy to ever talk about a D team not making it through is surprising. But when it's Rhodes, we get to um, and, and you can see how they had a CS of 23. And as I just mentioned, um, the teams making out had a much lower CS than 23. But they were not even the highest team, uh, the highest CS there. We had GWC, who also had a ridiculously high CS at 24 with a 3-5 and five record. Um, can't get much tougher than a 3-5 and five record with a CS of 24. So that's definitely uh, tough for GW. They had a rocky schedule. But other than that, Ben, um, anything else you're seeing? Yeah, just a couple quick things. Uh, I noticed... So Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, their B team managed to grab a bid. Their A team, unfortunately, weren't able to get a bid out of the regional that we just finished hosting, but good to see that that they're going through. Uh, and then the only other thing I will flag is Cornell B. Uh, you know, last year, Cornell didn't field any teams at regionals, and that was coming off of the year before when both their A and B teams, I believe, placed at nationals. Um, so that was a pretty, pretty harsh turnaround from two years ago to last year. Uh, and I feel like Cornell is sort of NYU light this year, <laughs> where 
Cornell, I mean, they're still technically, I think, what, the third or fourth, uh, you know, I'm looking at my list here. Yeah, Cornell A is the fifth ranked team in the country on TPR. Now, at this point, TPR is almost two years old. I think it's getting close to obsolete, but Cornell is still a great program. Mm -hmm. And to see their B team get through, I, I certainly took note of that. It was on a 10 CS, but like you said, you can only beat who you play. And, you know, they got through and, and that certainly signals a return to form, at least in some way, uh, for Cornell. You already mentioned Penn State D, but Penn State is just such a deep, strong, you know, wall-to-wall program. So that certainly wasn't uh, surprising to me as well. Uh, Drew, anything else before we go to the last two? Uh, last thing I'll mention is just uh, Florida International University. There's such great people over there. Uh, obviously, they just graduated. They're very strong kind of founders. Um, and I think that, you know, we all kind of got to see them at one last time. But I think that this is uh, cool for them that their program, they went four and four with the CS of 18. Um, you know, they had a pretty strong showing. They were three and one after the first day and then drew uh, a, a tough round against Stanford um, for round three. And it looks at like that kind of... Uh, Made, made it tough to make out for them. But I, I do think that that is a, a program that I, I really think is a fun one to watch. And I'm glad to see that after graduating so many strong members that they're still finding uh, signs of success. Um, but other than that, I think that that's about it. And we're good to move on. Sounds good. We've got uh, two more to cover before we finish up. And the second to last regional is the Regional 1G, hosted by Amta. It was a five-bid regional. The bids in order, we had Tufts B, Seven and a half wins, a 13 CS. We had Mizzou A, seven wins and a 15 and a half CS. Duke A, seven wins and a 15 and a half CS. Emory B, six wins and a 13 and a half CS. And Nebraska B, six wins and a 13 CS. Our honorable mention here was Kansas A with five wins and a 19 CS. Uh, some pretty powerful teams here with between mm-hmm. Duke, Mizzou, both our A teams, as well as Tufts B. Uh, Tufts B... You know, I mean, I know Tufts graduated some people and some of their B team folks from last year's incredible B team moved up to A, but clearly there's, you know, whatever they're putting in the water over at Tufts is still working. Um, and then we've actually hit Duke A twice. Uh, we hit him at Gamte and we hit him at, I think, Great Chicago Fire. They're a very good team, very talented. You know, they're definitely a little different uh, without uh, Sonali and Tristan, but they're they're very, very good. Um, and it's certainly no surprise to see here, you know, that they essentially tied for second because they had the same amount of wins and the same CS as Mizzou. Uh, and then uh, we mentioned Yale A earlier. Yale C was at this regional. They had an absolutely gut-wrenching schedule. They had a mm. 24 CS, went 2-5-1. and one. So uh, neither Yale team on this week, uh, you know, this first weekend gets through. Kansas with an honorable mention. I think Kansas is a team that's kind of always... You know, sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. Um, and so, but five wins with a 19 CS, that That'll seems, make, yeah, That'll make yeah I, I, unless something really weird is happening with open bids, I don't see any way that that doesn't get them through. Anything else you spot here? No, and I would, I mean, especially when you have uh, eight orcs back, there's, I would be shocked to see a, a team with 19 CS and five wins not make it through. So I think Kansas is probably going to be fine. I think you covered most of it. Um, I definitely think uh, it's good to see Emory P. Um, as well as Tufts B and in Nebraska B, I think B teams from three very strong programs, as, as you mentioned. Um, I, I look forward to seeing how how some of these teams start to do uh, moving on to Orcs. I think Tufts and, and Emory are two teams that I really look to to see you know, how that that program as a whole um, 
does moving forward. They've been so strong recently, and I, I just hope to see it continue as, as strong student-run programs go. They are up there. Um, but other than that, I think we're mostly covered it. Yeah, I think the only other thing, I'm glad you mentioned Emory B. I, I have, you know, sort of this odd uh, appreciation for Emory B because of two years ago in Philadelphia and how what they you know, they, us, and Rhodes were in the club of teams that got to face the infamous Yale's defense theory. <laughs> um, and so, but yeah, no, Emory, I mean, you think two years ago, Emory had two teams at nationals. Yep. And so yep. to see them get, you know, B team get through is, is no surprise. And yeah, I think that's about everything. All right, great. Well, last but certainly not least, we have Regional 1H, again, hosted by AMTA. And this was a six-bid regional. We start with Creighton A at eight wins and a CS of 14, followed by Patrick Henry E with seven wins and a CS of 15 and a half, followed by Washington University in St. Louis with six and a half wins and a CS of 16.5, followed by Belmont A with six wins and a CS of 14, Xavier A with five and a half wins and a CS of 18, and finally Nebraska C with five wins and a CS of 15.5. Um, our honorable mention here is University of California, Santa Cruz at five wins with a CS of 14.5. Uh, crazy how just that one point from another team that you faced uh, yeah. making the difference there. That is tough. Um, but I think that the, the most noteworthy uh, here was Princeton. A. Um, Princeton is this fascinating program to me of some years they are at nationals doing really well. And another year they don't make it through regionals. So, I mean, it's it, they are definitely... They can go uh, blow hot and cold. I, I will certainly say that they had a CS of 22.5, which I'm sure played a large role in this. Um, I am certain they are a very strong team. Um, and to have gone 3-1 and one the first day and then dropped both the second day, um, both rounds to Washu and St. Louis, and then uh, to Creighton, who was the eventual 8-0, um, is certainly a tough schedule. I will, I will just say Creighton A, I mean, I... Their last round win against Princeton is certainly noteworthy. Um, going eight and zero is always impressive. They took, they swept Xavier as well. I mean, Xavier and Princeton are are strong teams that they swept. So I I have honestly not heard much about Creighton before, but I am. They have got my attention now. Um, so I'm intrigued to see what they do. Patrick Henry E. I mean, I think you again alluded to this, Ben, but they are one of the only programs in the country that fields a, an E team, and they are somehow really, really good anyway. So uh, you know, th- that's something that most teams wouldn't even dream about having an E team make it through with seven wins. But uh, Patrick Henry, it's just another weekend. Other than that, Ben, uh, anything else you're noticing of interest? I think you hit the major things. Uh, the Patrick Henry thing. It, it's they're such an interesting part of this community, right? That like they're, cause we, we've gone to their campus a couple of times for tournaments and scrimmages. And I mean, it's like four buildings, you know, they're a very small school and, you know, I know they also like dominate college moot court to like a, you know, almost insane degree. Uh, but it is really remarkable to see an E-team get through and it's not like they coasted through they went seven and one with a 15 and a half cs uh and a point differential you know 64 uh so i mean they're just really good from top to bottom they play such a likable style every time we play them i feel like i learn something uh about the case and about how to approach it uh and yeah i think your point about creighton is is a great one that i would have really loved to watch that round four creighton princeton round Mm -hmm. uh that you know to to 
just have such a close round. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just obviously orcs is usually more like this, but even regionals round four, you just get these two teams. I mean, Creighton at, at six and at that point is through and Princeton is just, you know, scraping, trying to find mm-hmm. the wins. I guess they were three and three and it's, Oh man, it's just brutal to end up in that situation with that high, low flip. So I really feel for them. Certainly. Uh, the one other thing I, I did want to mention actually is we have uh, a couple of other teams that didn't make it through that I will say is a little bit surprising. Um, you know, a team like Drake A is a team where I feel like we often see them um, making it through to Orcs. And I, I wonder how much just the, uh, you know, now that we're, re- as we've alluded to, the whole repositioning of, of regionals being more, uh, you know, uh, just being a little bit more national based and how that will affect the Midwest. Um, might have played a role. Also, I will say UT Dallas A um, had a surprisingly um, uh, weaker performance than I would have expected out of them. Um, you know, this is a, a program that has been usually making it to orcs and, uh, you know, one in three the first day. Uh, just, I think I would have expected them to have had a slightly stronger performance, but I think that they will hopefully bounce back. They usually field many teams, so I'm confident they will find a way. But um, yeah, that's the kind of all I have through our first regional weekend. Yeah, I think uh, I feel like I learned a lot this weekend from hosting, and we'll talk about it more in future episodes about how this is going to work. Amta's new tournament administration system, which is absolutely incredible, just absolutely phenomenal, both on the front end from the team perspective and the back end from a host slash rep perspective. So we're going to have a lot more coverage of all of this. We've got a lot of exciting things coming up. And I am looking forward to breaking down three more weeks of regionals. My B team is in action next weekend. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, sit down and break down those regionals as well. Uh, So we'll be back in your feed very soon. We're hoping to do one of these episodes each week. Looking forward to chatting with some teams and some people as we move forward. Until we get to those episodes, thank you as always for listening. We're looking forward to talking to everybody soon. This has been The Mock Review with Ben and Drew. (laughs) 